Well, good morning, Bayshore. I am so glad you're joining us online today. And uh, I'm just, I can't tell you how happy I am you're part of today's uh, uh, online service today. And lots of people from Bayshore are watching now, people in our community, people around the country, wherever you're listening today. Hey, let me just tell you how thankful we are that you're listening to Bayshore online today. So grateful for you. We'll be opening up here July 12th uh, at, our, at all of our campuses for services. Uh, and you can find more information about that uh, on our website. But also just want you to know online is going to continue. We're going to be doing these wonderful online services as well. So, so glad you're with us today. And can you believe we're almost through June and we're into July and we're coming up on one of my favorite holidays, July 4th. And I just really can't wait. And I just love July 4th and I love the summer. I hope you're having a great summer. And uh, we just love you here at Bayshore and I'm glad you're part of today's online service. Hey, we're in a series called uh, The Way game and this is a really really good series for me because I'm not a person that likes to wait a whole lot and I'm learning uh, as the Lord's bringing me through COVID-19 uh, learning to be wait learn to wait and be patient and all of that and I know many of you are going through the same thing that I'm going through so this series is about waiting and we're learning about uh, people in the Bible that had to wait and what principles we can learn from just uh, looking at their lives and so today we're going to be looking at uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, and you may think, you know, hey, I need to put my Christmas tree up because uh, usually we have uh, this story at Christmas time and uh, feel like you ought to sing a Christmas carol or something, but this is a great story any time of year, and it's about a guy by the name of Zachariah that was having some doubts because he had to wait so long, and here's what I think we learned from Zachariah before we get into reading the text. I think we learned this principle from Zachariah is that when you wait a long time, you have a tendency to quit expecting for anything to happen. When you wait a long time, you quit expecting anything to happen. And I think Zachariah went through some stages. After you know, he waited and it, what he prayed for didn't happen, then I think he had doubt that kind of got into his heart. And then after the doubt came cynicism. And I think that that's always the sequence. I think we, we, we get disappointed, then we have doubt, and then we become cynical. And I know there's probably some people listening right now that uh, you, have a, you have some cynicism in your life. You're maybe cynical about the faith, you're cynical about church, you're cynical about life in general. And whenever you find cynicism, if there's cynicism in a person's life, you can almost always track that down back to some disappointment where they were disappointed in their life. So I want to look at this story today, and I want us to learn some things about Zechariah because uh, he had doubt in his heart. And that's the reason I love the Bible. When I read this story, I love the Bible because the Bible's not all about perfect people. It's not about people that have halos and they did everything perfect all the time. This is about uh, a real-life person that loved the Lord, and he was trying to serve the Lord, and some things didn't happen the way he wanted them to happen, and so he got some doubt, and then he got cynical. And uh, so we can all relate to that. So let me read the story to you. You're part of the story. It's, it's in Luke chapter 1, and it begins in uh, verse 5. And we'll read, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe the first uh, up to verse 18, something like that, or a little further maybe. Luke 1, beginning in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. 
Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Well, I love this story because uh, I can relate to it. Because we have this, this guy, Zachariah, who's really, he and his wife, they, they wanted to have a child. They had been asking God for a child. And they were good people. They were just really, really uh, good people. The Bible says that they were both righteous and blameless before the Lord. That doesn't mean they were perfect. But it just means that they were, they were serving the Lord with all of their heart. And they were walking with the Lord. And I think that's in the story because in the Jewish world, people believe that if a woman couldn't have a child, it was God's curse on them, and there was something wrong. And so uh, I think the Lord kind of in his word is giving some theological correction there because what happens is we think, and I think we all can relate to this, I think that we have a tendency to think if we're serving the Lord and we're going to church and we're maybe paying our tithes and we're doing things we're supposed to do or maybe watching online right now, we can't really come to church yet, but we're kind of like doing all the things we're supposed to do and we've quit doing the bad things and we're walking walking with the Lord, we think everything in our life should sort of fall into place and that the Lord should really kind of smile on us and bless us in every way because we're serving the Lord. Now, that's sort of bad theology. And I think that we have to kind of watch that because if you have that theology that if I am serving the Lord, then my life is just going to kind of like come into, everything's going to be in order. Everything's going to be okay. There's not going to be any problems. But in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life, even though they were blameless before the Lord, they had all these positive things things happened in their life, but they had one negative sign. That negative sign was that they couldn't have a child. And the one thing that they wanted most in life, they couldn't have. And so they were struggling with that. Now, let's think about this. They were young when they found out that she was having trouble getting pregnant. And so they began to pray and ask the Lord to help them to have a child. Now, I don't know where they got inspiration to pray like that, but I wonder if it was from the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter 25. We know that Zachariah and Elizabeth are very godly people and they're kind of walking with the Lord and all of that. So I wonder if what happened to Elizabeth Elizabeth and Zechariah is that they were, you know, they had looked and read Genesis chapter 25 where Isaac prayed for Rebekah and Rebekah couldn't have a baby. And so Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, Isaac prayed for Rebekah and Rebekah was able to have a child. And they read that and thought, hey, there's our answer right there. And so Zechariah, like Isaac, he prayed for his wife, Elizabeth, but she didn't get pregnant. 
She didn't get pregnant. And so sometimes I think when we read the Bible, we come to church, everything seems so simple. Yeah, if you do this, this is going to happen, that all these things are going to sort of come into place and everything's going to be okay. And that's not actually how it works in life sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you do everything right and you're serving the Lord and, and you're praying, but maybe your prayers aren't being answered. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, where you go uh, to, get, to uh, get a soft drink and you go to a Coke machine, and, uh, you know, my favorite uh, soft drink is uh, Coke Zero. And you go, and you go to the Coke machine, and you put, you know, get, make the, get a nice clean dollar, a smooth dollar, and you put it in that little conveyor belt, and it kind of sucks your money in, and it pulls that dollar in, and then you push the button for the drink you want, and when you push the button, uh, nothing happens. And, you know, the, the Coke machine's out of order. And so you're pushing the button, keep pushing the button, and you look in the change slot, there's no change, and then you begin to shake the Coke machine and cook, uh, kick the Coke machine because you can't seem to get uh, what you want because, you know, the Coke machine is broke. Sometimes we go through life where we're praying to the Lord and we give the Lord a scripture and we want certain things to happen and, and we push the button and we want this to happen and it doesn't happen. And so maybe we get disillusioned. Somebody said that you can never become disillusioned until you have an illusion. And an illusion is where you believe something that's not really reality. And so we need to remember that although we serve the Lord and we walk with the Lord, there can still be some negative things in our life. And we can begin to wonder if, those, if we're ever going to get the answer to the prayer that we've been praying. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're very young when they begin to pray for a child, and they pray for a child, and they ask the Lord for a child, and they're praying, and they're praying, and a year goes by, two years go by, five years goes by, a decade goes by. Elizabeth is getting older and older, and there's no child that's coming into fruition. And so they're beginning to wonder if, if they're ever going to have a child. And at some point, they quit expecting and they quit hoping and they gave up and they didn't think that they were ever going to have a child. And so they just kind of quit. They quit expecting because Elizabeth never was expecting. And so they gave up. I don't know if that's ever happened to you where, you know, you used to pray for things, you used to ask the Lord to do things, and, you know, you got disappointed, things didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen, and so you've just become a person that has doubt in your heart, and you have cynicism in your heart, and you feel like, hey, it doesn't do any good to pray. And so you're sort of like Zachariah, who sort of gave up, and he just thought he was never, ever, you know, this prayer was never going to be answered. And I, re I remember, you know, not actually, Karen and I were supposed to be uh, on a cruise this week. We were supposed to be going to uh, Alaska. We had been saving up for years to have uh, uh, this big Alaska trip, and it was supposed to, we were supposed to be in Alaska right now. And uh, back in March, when COVID hit, uh, you know, I, I called the travel agent, and I said, you know, I don't think we want to go on this cruise now because of what's happening. Happening. And uh, they said, hey, it's fine. You're going to be okay. No worries. It's going to be great. And uh, so two weeks later, the cruise line shut down. So I called again and they said, oh, yeah, we, you were not going to be able to do the cruise and we're going to send you your check back. And uh, so uh, they said 60 to 90 days. And so they, they said they'd send the check back. And so I was, uh, every day I've been running to the mailbox and looking in the mailbox and seeing if that check is there. And I just keep running. It's not there. And, uh, and I just, you know, I see the mailman coming. I'm like hoofing it across the yard, trying to get to the mailbox to see if that check is going to be there. And uh, it's not there. And there's a part of me that wonders if I'm ever going to get that check. 
And I think what happened to Zechariah is he sort of like, after a while, he just didn't think it was ever going to happen. And he just sort of gave up and he began to struggle with that. Now, I don't know if you can relate to that, but I think a lot of people, you know, they kind of like, they pray for things and they ask the Lord to do things. And what happens is, is they get disappointed. And because they get disappointed, they have doubt that becomes a part of their life. And out of that doubt flows cynicism and they get cynical. And I think that Zachariah had sort of gotten cynical about things. I think he's sort of like, you know, he was was sort of like filled with doubt. He was a good man. He loved the Lord. He still read the Bible, but in his heart of hearts, he just felt like God was not going to ever intervene in his life, that God was sort of a kind of a generic God out there, and he wasn't really going to involve himself in Zachariah's life. I'm here to tell you that we serve a God that's just not a generic God that's way up in heaven that looks over the whole world. But we serve a God that is, is loving and caring, and he, his arm is not short that he cannot save, and his ear is not dull that he cannot hear, and he still involves himself into our lives, and he does amazing things for us. And so Zechariah had sort of evolved to this place where he didn't believe anymore, and he couldn't see it anymore, and it didn't make any sense to him anymore. And so he had been filled with doubt, and he was struggling with that. But he goes to the temple. Here's how the story unfolds. This is really interesting. He goes to the temple, and when he's in the temple, the Bible says as he's in the temple, uh, he's chosen by lot to burn incense before the Lord, which was an amazing thing in and of itself. There was like 20,000 priests, uh, jo- jo- Josephus, the uh, uh, Jewish historian said at that time, 20,000 priests, and they were in 24 divisions. So twice a year, you know, these big groups of people would come and they would draw lots. And so this was a chance of a lifetime that Zachariah's lot came up. And this was the only time he would ever burn incense. It was a very, very important time. And it wasn't, coincident, it wasn't coincidental. Have you discovered yet, as you've been walking with the Lord, uh, some things that the world may think is coincidental is not really coincidental? And I think that there was a divine appointment that Zachariah's lot came up and he was in the temple burning incense and he was praying for the nation and then the angel Gabriel appeared to Zachariah at the right side of the altar. And here's what the angel said to him. The angel said to him, first of all, don't be afraid. He was freaking out. He's afraid. And the second thing the angel said to him was this. He said, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. And what prayer was the angel referring to? Was the angel referring to the prayer that Zechariah was praying right then? He was praying for the nation, for the Lord to bless the nation, for the Lord to prosper the nation. Was that the prayer that the angel was referring to? No, the angel tells Zechariah what prayer he was referring to. He said, Elizabeth, your wife will have a child. Now, I want you to know, if you read the text carefully, Zechariah was not praying about that right then. In fact, he, he was an old man. He said to the angel, I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years, which is a good way to say it. He, he shouldn't say, uh, I'm an old man, my wife's an old woman. I don't think you ever want to say that. He said, um, I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. So he's using a little tact, didn't know if the angel would tell Elizabeth or not. But anyhow, the Bible says that, uh, you know, he, he was an old man. He was not expecting to have a child. He, he felt that was over with. And the angel, Gabriel, is referring not to a prayer that that Zechariah is praying right then, but he's referring to a prayer that Zechariah had prayed 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. This is an old prayer. And the angel comes right into that moment where Zechariah prayed 30 years earlier, and he said, the Lord heard your prayer. The Lord heard your prayer. Hey, what's the shelf life on a prayer? 
What's the shelf life on a prayer? There's no shelf life on a prayer. God, you may, you've prayed some prayers. Some of you have prayed some prayers that you prayed 20 years ago that the Lord has not forgotten. In fact, Zechariah, his name means the Lord remembers. Zechariah means the Lord remembers. And so it's an incredible story, a credible picture of God remembering and being faithful. Elizabeth's name means the Lord is my oath or the Lord is my trust. And so it's a picture, this, this picture of Zechariah and Elizabeth shows that God is faithful to fulfill those things that he's purposed to do in our life. Things that we pray about, things that we have in our heart that we're praying about that we don't think are going to happen, then all of a sudden the Lord begins to do something incredible uh, in our life and God is moving in our life even though we think we've given up and we don't have any faith anymore and we're filled with doubt and we're filled with cynicism. God is still going to do those incredible things that we prayed about. That's an incredible thing. I, a few weeks ago, my uh, grandson, Nixon, who's living with us while uh, his dad and mom are building a house, uh, Nixon and his sister, Nora, we're just loving being with our grandkids, and uh, we're just having a great time. And so the other day, uh, I said to Nixon, it was like two weeks ago, I said, uh, hey, hey, we ought to go fishing sometime. And we were in the garage, and I was working, and Nixon locked onto that. And he said, man, I want to go fishing, Papa. I want to go fishing. And I said, well, Nixon, I can't take you fishing until I get my fishing license. I don't have my fishing license and we don't want to get papa arrested and on front of the page of the tv it would be not be good for uh, good for his job so uh anyhow i i said that to nixon and then i'm telling you four or five six times a day nixon said you got your license you got your license yet you got your fishing license yet he just like hounded me hounded me hounded me and uh i mean he just like was all over it i mean he just papa are we going fishing tomorrow uh papa are we going fishing this afternoon he just kept asking me and asking me and listen i love my little grandson I love him with all my heart and I had full intention to take him fishing and I was going to take him fishing because it's in my heart I love him and uh, he's never caught a fish and so on a Saturday I took Nixon fishing here's his first fish that he caught and we're out there at uh, England's Pond and the on the spillway there and he caught this little Sonny and uh, he jumped up and down and he said Papa Papa it's the first fish I've ever caught the first fish I've ever caught and he said this I'll never forget it I'll never forget this fish. And I thought in my heart, I'll never forget this either. And listen, I remembered because I made a promise to my grandson. And God is thinking about Zechariah. Zechariah thinks, you know, God's forgotten. God doesn't care. My prayers didn't even get through. And I prayed a prayer and it didn't matter and it never happened. And in this story, we see that the doubt and cynicism of Zechariah, that God in his grace remembered that prayer. And God stepped into that moment and he, and he cared for Zechariah. Now, I want you to remember this. Some of you have been praying some prayers. You've been asking the Lord to do some things, and you've waited, and you've waited, and you've waited, and you think it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. I'm never going to, you know, it's this never going to take place in my life. And so you just kind of moved on. You kind of packed that away, and you got this sort of low-grade doubt in your heart. It's kind of there. And then you're a little bit cynical about things because, you know, hey, I prayed and nothing happened. And so you're kind of like Zechariah, and you're really struggling with that. But I want to tell you that Zechariah means the Lord remembers, and he remembers you. And, and some of the prayers that you prayed way back there that you asked the Lord to do in your life, and you haven't seen the full fruition of that 
I want you to know that that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story at all. God still has incredible things that he's doing in your life. The arm of the Lord is still reaching into my life. The arm of the Lord is still reaching into your life. And a great, uh, uh, great missionary, uh, William Carey, said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And we need to still expect God to do incredible things in our life. You know, I was thinking about a couple things that maybe you prayed about that you think, ah, oh, it's never going to happen, never going to happen. Maybe, maybe you prayed about, you know, a, a habit in your life, something you struggle with. You've been like asking the Lord to help you. You know, you, you've been serving the Lord, but you got this area, you keep stumbling, you keep falling, you know, you got the addiction, it keeps coming back. Uh, maybe, you, you know, you've been wanting to get rid of your temper and you've gone forward and you ask some people to pray for you and you've sought the Lord and you've memorized scriptures about not being angry anymore and you thought about these things and all of a sudden, you know, you kind of find yourself in a situation where that comes back up again. And you, you say, Lord, please help me. Please deliver me. And you think to yourself, it's never going to happen. This is who I am. And you know what? I want you to know that those prayers that you've been praying for the Lord to deliver you, to change you, are going to be answered. And they are going to happen. And the things that you've been longing for, the Lord to change you, is going to happen. You know why I know that? Because Philippians 1.6, I said a few weeks ago, this is my favorite verse in the New Testament. Philippians 1.6 says this, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God started a work in you. He's still working, and he's going to change you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it says in Philippians chapter 2. For it is God who works in you to change you. So God is changing you. Remember a few weeks ago we studied, uh, I think Pastor Joel was speaking on Lazarus. Remember Lazarus when he was raised from the dead in John chapter 11? And, uh, you know, he's dead. He's been dead for four days, and, and Jesus speaks and, and, he, and Lazarus comes alive. And then the next thing that happens, the next thing the Lord says, uh, Jesus says, uh, un loose him from his grave clothes. I think that's kind of ironic. You know, the Lord just raised him from the dead. Couldn't he just kind of like melted the grave clothes all of a sudden and, and uh, Lazarus would be completely free? But he's made alive and you see this corpse. Listen, think about this. I, I hope they have this on video in heaven. You see this corpse kind of wiggling in the, uh, in the grave clothes trying to get out. And it must have been kind of a funny thing, like a Halloween uh, monster movie, you know? He's trying to get out of the grave clothes. And that's a wonderful picture of salvation because when we come to Jesus and we're born again, and we're regenerated. That's a theological term when we're made alive inside. That happens instantly. Um, you're instantly forgiven. Your name is instantly written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're instantly born again inside. But the change is gradual in our life. And it's like unwrapping the grave clothes around Lazarus. It took him a while to untie him and unbound him. And so they kind of unwrapped those grave clothes around Lazarus until he was finally free. And that's what the Lord's doing in your life right now. You're born again. You know Jesus. You're, you're, you're in the kingdom of God and you're walking with Jesus, you're serving Jesus, but you still got some grave clothes and you still got some old things in your life that the Lord's changing. I love what uh, Billy Graham's wife uh, put on her grave uh, tomb. I've told this story many times. Uh, Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, and she uh, put on her grave tomb, gravestone, she's buried in Charlotte, North Carolina. She put these words uh, on her gravestone, uh, construction complete thanks for your patience. Construction complete, thanks for your patience. Isn't that incredible? 
Construction complete. Thanks for your patience. What an incredible thing. God is going to change you and he is changing you and, he's, and the day will come when you're going to go be with the Lord like Ruth Graham or the Lord's going to come back. And it says in 1 John that we will see him as he is and we will be like him. So here's how it works. Uh, we're constantly being changed and we're getting changed more and more every day and then when Jesus comes, we'll be fully changed. So maybe you prayed the prayer Lord, take this away from me. Maybe like, uh, maybe like Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, Lord, take this thorn out of my side, and you've been praying, you've been praying, and uh, you're changing, you're getting more like Jesus. But that prayer that you've been praying is going to be answered. The Lord's going to change you. So that's, a, that's one thing. Maybe you prayed about it and you think, oh, I'm never changing, I'm not getting any better. Maybe you prayed about this. Maybe you prayed about somebody in your family to come back to faith. And uh, maybe they haven't been walking the Lord. Maybe they've never met Jesus and you've been praying for your uncle or you've been praying for your husband or your wife or your uh, grown adult children. And by the way, if you have people that you love that don't know Jesus, make sure you pray for them every day. Just pray for them. Ask the Lord to open their eyes to see Jesus. And it says the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So pray for the Lord to open their eyes to see Jesus. And maybe you've been praying that for a while and you just aren't seeing any fruit come to pass and you're just wondering does it do any good to pray for my son does it do any good to pray for my daughter but I'm just encouraging you to continue to pray because your prayers it says in James chapter 5 the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much it makes a big deal it's a big deal when you pray for for somebody that you love it says in Romans chapter 10 verse 1 Paul who had a burden for the Jewish people he said I am burdened for the nation of Israel and I pray for them so make sure you pray for people that you're concerned about. But just pray and ask the Lord to do something great in that uh, adult child. Don't quit praying. The Bible says in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, that we should pray and not give up. Keep praying, keep praying. And maybe you've been praying and thinking it's never going to happen, never going to happen. Now, uh, my wife Karen, her dad, used to be uh, in much of his adult life, didn't go to church, wasn't a church goer, and uh, didn't really serve the Lord for a big part of his adult life. And uh, she used to pray for him. She had a real burden for her dad. dad her dad was a wonderful man, incredible uh, worker, great provider for uh, their family, just an incredible man of integrity, hard worker. We just loved him to death. And, uh, and, but she prayed for him, and uh, he, he wouldn't go to church. Karen's mom went to church, and uh, she just prayed for him and she just kept praying year by year kept praying for him and then uh, one night she had a dream and the dream uh, she had was there was this uh, there was this big tree in the middle of this pasture and there was a big storm coming up in her dream uh, she could see that the clouds were dark and there was this big storm coming up and under this big tree in the pasture was all of her family her brother her sister uh, our brother-in-law all these people were there under the tree in her family but her dad wasn't there and in the dream she saw her dad running across the pasture and as he's running across the pasture, he gets under the tree. And in the dream, her dad says to Karen, you didn't think I was coming, did you? You didn't think I was coming, did you? 
And it wasn't too many years after that that her dad became a believer in Jesus, served the Lord, went to church. It was a new church plan in Seaford he was a part of, went to that church. The pastor mentored him and, and helped him, and, and he began to give financially. He gave uh, to all these uh, uh, ministries. He gave to the 700 Club, and he supported Jerry Falwell, and he supported his local church, and he just became a giver, and, uh, and just God just used him. So listen, if you've been praying for somebody and they haven't gotten saved yet, they haven't met the Lord yet, that doesn't mean that that prayer is not going to be answered. Remember Zechariah, the Lord remembers. Zechariah's in the temple, his heart's filled with doubt. Never going to happen. I'm never going to have a child. We're never going to have a child. And the, the Lord said through Gabriel, uh, the Lord said, uh, the Lord has heard your prayer and your wife is going to have a child. That's an incredible, incredible story. Let me just give you one other application today. This is a sensitive application for our times, but uh, one of the things that maybe that, that we've been all praying about is for unity in our country, uh, political unity, been praying for racial unity in our country. And when we recently went through uh, a lot of the tension in our country uh, because of some uh, racial inequality in our country, horrible, horrible thing that happened that just grieved us all. Uh, I remember when that happened, one of the things I thought is I thought back to 1996. I thought back to 1996 when uh, I was in Atlanta, Georgia with 40,000 other pastors and we were at the Georgia Dome and we were at that, uh, that, that stadium and the whole meeting was about praying for racial unity and asking the Lord to forgive our country for all the horrible things that have occurred in our history. And I remember praying uh, with all of these pastors and we repented and, and men from every race were hugging each other. And when all the things that recently happened, it made me think about that time. And I wondered, I said, Lord, did you not hear that prayer? Did you not hear that prayer? And I thought of also about also about in uh, John chapter 17 where Jesus prayed for unity. Jesus said, let them be one as you and I, Father, are one. I wonder if Jesus' prayer is going to be answered for unity. You know what? I believe it will be. I believe that as much tension and division that we currently see, I believe the time is coming when the prayer for unity for our country is going to be answered. Now, that doesn't mean that we kind of fold our arms and say, God, just take care of this and do it, and we don't have to do anything. We've got to roll up our sleeves. We've got to enact the right kind of laws, and we've got to change things, and things have to be changed. We have to roll up our sleeves and do our part. But let me tell you something. With all of our effort, we will never be able to do it on our own. We're going to need the grace of God because only the grace of God can change the hearts of people, men and women. And our hearts need to be changed. And I believe that the prayer that we prayed in 1996 in the Georgia Dome, I believe that prayer is going to be one day answered. I believe that the prayer that Jesus prayed for unity is going to be answered. You know why I believe it's going to be answered? Because when you read in Revelation chapter 7, you look into heaven, you see into the future. John, who saw into heaven, he saw into the future. When John looked into heaven and he saw into the future, he saw men from every tribe, men and women from every tribe, tongue and nation, holding palm branches and worshiping the Lord, clothed in white robes. We see in heaven, we see unity. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, when you pray this prayer on earth, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm praying for unity in our nation. I'm praying for unity in our state. I'm praying for unity in our region. And I believe that as we pray, those prayers aren't 
aren't going to be forgotten, but the Lord's going to answer those prayers. Let me give you one more scripture as I close today. This is a a picture of the answered prayer for unity uh, in the world, and it's found in in Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2 has an incredible uh, listing here that I think you're going to love. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 2. This is such a beautiful passage. And by the way, there's a bunch of pictures like this in Isaiah where Isaiah, the prophet of the 7th century B.C., he paints a picture of what the future is going to look like. He paints a picture of what the future is going to be like. And here's what the picture is. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mount of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between nations and settle disputes for many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. That's our future. That's our future. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed. That's the prayer that many people are praying, and I believe that one day that prayer will be answered. And it's going to be the grace of God. It's going to be the grace of God. It says in uh, Psalm 127, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord watch over the city, the watchmen watch in vain. This week I was uh, at my dad's and we were uh, working, uh, actually I hired a company to help fix my dad's air conditioning system and he had some real problems with the air conditioning system and, and so they had to replace this air handler in the, in the ceiling and I was there all day just making sure everything went right and kind of helping my dad out a little bit and this company came and they sent one guy to rebuild this air handler and here's a picture of an air handler. I don't know if you've seen these before. This is the old air, air handler they took out of my uh, dad's uh, attic and uh, it, it way maybe 200 pounds or more I don't know it's pretty heavy I don't want to exaggerate but it's a pretty heavy thing and this one guy they sent one service guy and he had to take this new air handler look like this and he had to tie a rope around it and he had to pull it up through the little attic door by himself and 200 pounds or so and it's kind of swinging everywhere and I saw him struggling he had the rope all tied there and he's trying to get that up there and so I hopped out of the chair and I went over there And I said, can I help you? And I'm helping him guide that. He was just thrilled that I was helping him. I was lifting up that air handler. And as I was lifting up the air handler, we got it through the attic door. And we got it uh, in the attic. And he got it installed. And when you think about unity in our country, when you think about uh, things changing and this world becoming a better place, we need to to repent of our hubris and our pride that we can do this by ourselves. We need to do our part, obviously. Or Robert said, without... Me, God, will not do it. Without God, I cannot do it. We need to do our part, but also we need to remember that we need the grace of God. America, America needs the grace of God. You and I need the grace of God. And we've been praying for God to do great things, and I believe he's going to do great things. Hey, on a personal level, what have you been praying for? What have you been praying for? Where did the doubt come into your heart? Where did the disappointment come into your heart? Disappointment always kind of breeds doubt, and doubt breeds cynicism. So if you've been filled with disappointment, and now you got doubt, and you're becoming cynical, remember Zechariah. The Lord remembers. The Lord's not done. Your story is not over yet. The story of America is not over yet, and God still has great things for you.
Hey, would you raise your hands with me if you're in the kitchen or if you're in the living room? Uh, If you're driving, of course, don't raise your hands, but lift your hands to the Lord right now. Let's ask the Lord to just help us to be filled with faith and not doubt in these times. Lord, we thank you for this great story of the man whose name means the Lord remembers. And so, God, we thank you for taking care of us. We thank you for blessing our country. We thank you for helping us as individuals. I pray for people that are discouraged because they've been waiting, and they've been waiting to a point of just disillusionment. And we pray that you'll encourage them today. Put your arms around them. Let them know the story, their story, is not finished yet. And you have many wonderful things you're going to do in their life. We thank you for loving us. We pray for our country. We pray for unity. We pray for healing in our country. And we believe as we pray for that, that that's not a prayer in vain. But you're going to hear that prayer. You're going to remember that prayer. And you're going to bring us together. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen.